Hi guys, it's Joanne. Real quick before we get into our bonus episode with Miranda Bennett, I want to make sure you know about two things. First of all, if you are enjoying the Fancy Free podcast, please sign up for the Fancy Free newsletter. You'll get extra little tidbits, exclusive audio not published out on the actual podcast feed, outtakes and bloopers and extra funny stories, etc. You'll also sometimes get sneak peeks to audio that's coming up in the future. You get to hear a little bit about the statistics like the most downloaded episode from the last month and news about previous guests. It's a lot of fun. Also, this month's newsletter has my famous make-ahead mashed potato recipe, which makes Thanksgiving so much easier and so much more delicious. So that's a total win-win. You can sign up by emailing me at notfancy at fancyfreepodcast.com and just put newsletter in the subject line, or you can go to fancyfreepodcast.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the first page and put your name and email address there. Also, if you have a little funny nugget of a story to tell, be brave. Go to fancyfreepodcast.com, click the big red record button, and record it for me. I'll polish it up on my end, and you could be featured on the next episode. It's so much fun. I promise you'll be happy you did it. Okay, if you didn't listen to Miranda's main episode, go to fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 74, where you can get to know Miranda Bennett and learn how incredible she is and how funny she is, and she has all kinds of funny stories to share. It's a great episode. We got really into talking about depression, and I didn't want to leave any of the content out, but it was too long for her main episode. So here we are with a bonus. All right, enjoy. Maybe your spouse is the breadwinner, and you have to be that 85, 90% parent. And so you don't ask for all the help that you truly need. One of the things that I felt like when I had depression, not during postpartum depression as much, but my my more recent bout with depression, was like the only thing I had left that I had control of was how I looked and how I seemed. And so it never, it's not like I consciously thought about it, but I was like, I'm not going to burden the people around me with this. I'm just going to put on this facade of everything's, oh, everything's fine. I'm good. Yeah. And I don't need anything. And then when I finally told my husband and a couple of my best friends, my sister-in-law, that I was suffering from depression and I really needed help, they were shocked. Yes, yes. I'm shaking my head so much as if you can see me. This is, (laughs) that's the number one thing. Don't we all do that? We we don't want to burden someone. Not to mention talking about mental health kind of makes people uncomfortable. Yeah depending on who they are. So that doesn't make you feel more comfortable to talk about it. Right. And you don't want them looking at you like, oh, poor thing. You know, you don't want to incite pity. This is one of the reasons why I wrote my article about depression, because I thought, I'm just going to tell you what it was like for me. And this will either help people who've never experienced it understand it, or it might because I'm a word person. It might help someone who's experienced it, but doesn't know how to put it in words to explain it to someone, because it's this thing we don't like to communicate about on both sides. Absolutely. And a lot of my experience, I've noticed that people who either have never dealt with any sort of mental illness, or maybe they just don't think they have, I'm pretty sure everybody has had some severe ups and downs at some point in their life. But I know there is either a certain generation or certain group of people who kind of look at you like you're weak minded, like get up, get out of bed, do what you got to do. This is life. Life is hard. Move on. 
Yes. And the thing is, what they've never experienced is the feeling that you're underwater or you're moving through thick syrup. And it's like everything takes so much effort. And if they knew what that felt like, they'd be more sympathetic to it. One time I had the flu. And the flu felt a lot like depression to me, (laughs) just because everything was such an effort. So if you've never had depression and you are trying to understand a loved one who just doesn't seem to be able to keep up on their personal hygiene or to keep their house in order or to do with what their relationships, what they seem to need to do. If you've ever had the flu, imagine all of those things while you're down with the flu with a high fever and no energy and nausea or yeah. you know bad headache bad sore throat that really is the best description that i can think of and i actually didn't write any of that in my article because it just kind of occurred to me now i'm going to steal that i mean that's amazing that's a great way for someone who doesn't understand to at least understand a little bit because the only thing that's really different is that nobody else can see it. Yes, exactly. You're not pale. You don't have the sweats, but you might as well. And the weird thing about me that I've learned over the years through kind of diving into myself is I'm a big baby. I'm a big complainer. If I have something to complain (laughs) about, everyone's going to know, right? But when it's a real thing, or when I'm really down, or when I'm really struggling, all of a sudden, I'm acting like everything is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Things so little, I can, you know, cry about for a, <laughs> two days <laughs> to anyone who will listen. But you know, I'm about to just break down. And then all of a sudden, I'm quiet. So that is something that I've been really working on. And the thing is, is when I finally got to the tipping point of this is not okay. I woke up for the 50 millionth time, gave my son a bottle, went outside, sat in my driveway. I smoked a cigarette and I just kept staring at my van like, if I just go, they'll be fine. He's a great father. They're going to be taken care of. I just don't want to do this. I don't want to do it anymore. And, And I was talking to someone recently about their experience and I think my I think what I really need people to to hear is depression lies to you, right? So depression's yes. going to tell you that your family's better off without you. Depression's going to tell you that you don't even deserve whatever it is you've got, and that is more the typical conversation that's going on inside your head. For me, there was no selfless my family would be better off without me. There was no selfless my kids would do better without me. It was a completely 100% self-centered, I don't want to do this and I don't care. I want to leave. Mm -hmm. I want to be done. And I think other people have felt that too. And they're way too afraid to say that because why do you even deserve to have children if you think you want to leave them? But I have goosebumps from head to toe right now because you are so brave. We all think things that we would never want to admit that we have thought or felt. And somebody has to say it out loud so that the other people who are thinking this inside their head and being so ashamed, they know they're not alone, right? Because they, I, I feel like I'm screaming at you right now. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so passionate. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I read a book. This is kind of different, but it's similar. When I had my first baby, my girlfriend, Monica, from college sent me a book. And I'm going to butcher it right now. because Oh, it's, it was Anne Lamott. It was a memoir. And it was a memoir about her life around the time she had her son. 
And one of the things it said in the memoir was, I forget exactly, but she said something about some days you just feel like you want to throw your baby down the stairs. Yes. I read that before I had kids and I was like, oh my gosh. But then I read it again after I had my kids and my girlfriend, Monica's very like on, in fact, I need to get her on the show. She's very honest and she'll say it like it is and she doesn't mince words. She wasn't embarrassed to say I totally related to that. Not that I would ever do that. I don't want to feel like that, but we don't have control over our feelings. All we have control over is how we respond to them, right? Yes. Yes. Ali Wong. I don't know if you guys know this comedian, but she does a special right after she gives birth. And she's like, I love my daughter more than anything, but sometimes I want to throw her in a trash can. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's the honest to God truth. It is. And now I know this to be my barometer, but when it first started happening, I just thought I am a terrible mother. When I started having a really severe bout of depression, I never ended up hospitalized or anything, but probably would have helped me. I remember I would be in my closet getting ready or something, and I would hear footsteps coming towards me. And in my head, I would think, please don't need me. Please don't need me. Please don't need me. And I am, I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but I'm a number two. I'm a helper. I'm someone who thrives on being needed and and I just couldn't even tap into that at all at that point. I was like, I'm sorry if you need me because I don't know what to tell you about that because I just can't. Yeah, because I just, I honestly don't care. And that's uh-huh. the, and, and that's me too. I completely uh, relate. I've been wanting to figure out what my number is. I haven't done it yet, but I am a nurturer. I'm a giver. I love to take care of people to my own detriment. Like I I go above and beyond where, you know, I've had to learn over the years, boundaries and whatever, but yeah, yeah. probably a (laughs) two. Yeah. But during these really severe times when I like, that's what I learned to tap into like, Oh shit, I don't care that. That is big. Yes. Because my normal way is I care too much. I want to be too involved. So right. if I'm just like, please just don't involve me in this. I just don't care. That My husband, will, if he hears me say the phrase, I don't care, he's like, uh-oh. Yes. We need to sit down and talk. How is it going? You know. And at one point, maybe a year ago or something, he was like, listen, you need to increase your dose. You are not okay. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm holding it together. And he's like, yeah, but you shouldn't have to feel like you're just holding it together. He was yeah. right. He knew yeah. way before I did, but it's because he knows me and he loves me and he's paying attention. And I appreciated that. I didn't feel criticized because he loves me, you know, but some people probably will feel criticized. But if you, if somebody is telling you, you're not holding it together very well, not in a critical way, but in a gosh, maybe you should do something about this way. You probably need to think about it, you know, because it might be offensive at first, but they really might be onto something. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of something we have to all deal with in our culture right now is stop being so offended. And, you know, if it's someone who loves you, if it's someone who's close to you, maybe stop and think, I would rather them tell me this than a stranger on the street. Um, Totally. Yes. And after I was thinking about just up and leaving and being done, I had already, well, now I can't remember. It was either right after this or right before this, that I had already scheduled my mom to come to pick up the kids. I said, before I even start researching about therapy and stuff, because that alone is such a job. And if you don't want to shower, you don't want to friggin' go on the computer and look to find affordable therapy, right? Have you ever listened to the podcast, The Hilarious World of Depression? John Moe interviews comedians about depression. It's freaking I've awesome. heard about this. I want to. I want to. Oh, 
I love it so much. And I love him. I got to figure out where I've heard interviews with him elsewhere. And he's just so awesome. And unfortunately, that podcast is over, but you could binge it. I mean, there are tons of episodes. But um, he says that one of the things that you can really tangibly do, because you know, if you have a, a loved one who's going through a mental health problem, you feel like there's nothing I can do to help them. One of the things you can do, and of course, you got to make sure they're okay with it, but find out what their insurance is. Call around yeah. and find who takes their insurance. Call yeah. around and find how far out they're booked, what kind of therapy they do, and just gather that information for them. That is like, you might as well be asking me to run a marathon to ask me to do that when I'm already feeling depressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I swear I've been shaking my head this whole time. Like uh, <laughs> you, and I, you and I just need to hang out once this is over. Yes. <laughs> and when my mom came over, because I was like, look, you just need to pick up the kids. I need to do nothing but sleep. I know that if I can get some sleep, then the rest of this will start to feel easier. And so she comes over and I asked my daughter to put on her shoes and she didn't do it immediately because she was three and three-year-olds don't give two S-H-I-T's about what you want Mm -hmm. them to do. So instead of just being like, come on, Violet, get your shoes on. I flipped out again. It actually, in hindsight, is good that I did because I wasn't flipping out in private. I was flipping out in front of someone who needed to see it, Mm. who take the action that needed to be taken because I just was crying over her little pink shoes and saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to fight. I don't want to do this. And my husband was on a work trip at the time and he knew that I was struggling, but he did not know where I was. And so my mom took both my kids, put them right in the car, grabbed the shoes, gave me a kiss, called my husband immediately, didn't even care that he was in a meeting, like psycho dialed him 911. My sister <laughs> calling me right back because I guess she called my sister and she was like, look, let's, you know, see what we need to do to get you help. Then my mom basically, just like you said, she gave me the information for the Sims Foundation, which if you don't know about the Sims Foundation, I know about it from the music industry because I worked with my mom for over a decade. We are talent buyers and the Sims Foundation will help anyone in the artist community, no matter what it is, as long as you're making money in your field, they will get you hooked up with any sort of mental health that you need at a much, much lower cost. I know people who have had therapy as little as $5. Mine was $30. So if anyone listens somewhere within the arts and you need therapy, but you can't afford $150 an hour, look in the Sims Foundation. That's S-I-M-S. And on top of that, I actually learned from my therapist, I really want to make sure people know this too, that Apparently, according to my therapist, every therapist has an allotted amount of patients that they can take at a lower cost. So mm. they tell you it's $150 and you say, you know what? I just don't think I can afford that. Do you have any slots available that maybe we can do $75? Do you think we can do $50? And you can actually negotiate and call a few to kind of find someone within a price bracket that makes you feel more comfortable. Wow, that's so great to know because we're already struggling more at this point and to add financial burden to the situation just seems like too much to handle, right? It's it's ridiculous. And the fact that mental health is not taken seriously enough to get it to everybody who needs it is insane. And I've written some blogs about my postpartum. I tried to get really honest about my story if you go on my blog and go to the first page, they're one of the 
the first few that I wrote. But what I'm realizing kind of as I'm connecting with these people, it's it's great to make people feel less alone. What we're missing is that we need to be talking to the people who don't understand it, not the people who do. Mm-hmm. Yes, because everybody has a sphere of influence. And if if everybody knew there's somebody within your sphere of influence who's struggling and you could help them if you only understood and knew you know, what to do, that would mean that everybody would have, you know, help theoretically. What to do for them, what to research, how to not enable the situation, but to help make it better. You know, like my husband is a very, he's a very logical thinker. He's a numbers guy. He doesn't always clue into the emotional stuff as quickly as other people. I think my husband and your husband are two peas in a pod. And (laughs) He wants to, he means to, and he's just not as in tune with that side of things. Absolutely. And it's not anything malicious. It's just they have to be knocked on the head with some information. And it's really those people that we need to get a podcast out for, or we need to get them reading a blog, or we need to kind of get the conversations going with everyone who doesn't understand it. Because we can all commiserate and we can all help each other with resources. But the truth is, If I was listening to this podcast right now within that six month period, I would think, well, that all sounds really well and good, but I'm going to go take a nap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I need people around you to hear what we're talking about. And you make it a priority for the people around you to know what you're really going through. Because when I first started really getting honest and talking about it, I read a story about a mother who had a three month old baby and she killed herself and not a single one of her friends even knew it was coming. So we have to get honest because that poor woman and that poor baby did not deserve that outcome. That's right. Oh, that's that's so sad. Like I said, my loved ones felt bamboozled. And I said, well, I didn't do it on purpose. I just didn't want to burden you with, you know, the heaviness of it. And I thought I was doing all right until I wasn't. I remember a time, and I hate to even admit this, but I'm just going to say it because somebody else might have been through it too. I relate so much to you flipping out on your daughter when you're trying to rock your son to sleep. My kids are 22 months apart. And one time when the baby was going through sort of a rough nap phase and the three-year-old, I was still trying to get her to nap, right? Because she's just right on the cusp of wanting to give up naps. And I'm like, I cannot. I cannot have you not napping. My oldest daughter's really outgoing and she's really like an outward verbal processor and could be a bull in a china shop at that age, but who can't at the age of three? But you know, so she had that nature on top of the stage that she was in. I put my hand over her mouth, not to suffocate her, you know, but to just shut her up. I was like, you are going to wake up the baby. And she's just ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. I put my hand over that child's mouth. And then I, I was like, oh my God. And I I suffered over that. I suffered. I thought, please, Lord, don't let her remember that because that was such a moment of weakness for me. And I didn't, I just didn't, I was just at the end of my rope, you know? Absolutely. And I, and I was saying that to my therapist too, that my daughter's the same way. Like you tell her to stop talking because we need to be quiet for a moment. And she just then tries to whisper. She's like, she does (laughs) How to stop talking. She wants to discuss why it is that we might want to stop talking. (laughs) And and so I was in therapy and it was one of my, within like the first 10 sessions. And I said, I just need to say out loud that as much as I love my kids right now, I feel like I don't like them. Like I I feel annoyed by my Mm -hmm. daughter instead of thinking like my kid is hilarious. 
she is four years old and she's got sarcasm down pat. Sarcasm is my love language. Like I love it. This girl is hilarious. But during this portion of time, there was nothing funny about her. She was just in the way of getting whatever I needed done, done. And then there was this baby who was in the way of me getting the sleep that I needed. And then there was, you know, it was like everything was a roadblock. Yeah. She thanked me for being so honest. She said, because you're coming in here and you're saying things that people are really afraid to say, especially when it comes to their own children. And, you know, a lot of my quote unquote brand, Mrs. Mediocre Mom, is me making fun of myself and my kids online. And I don't want anyone to ever take that wrong. I love my children. They are my life. I thought I lost Stetson in my backyard the other night. And when we found him, I was sobbing, crying. Like, I love my children. Oh, my gosh. But if we're not able to laugh at things and also be super honest about things, then you're going to do what you were doing about the hand over the mouth. And you're just going to beat yourself up. And you're going to add beating yourself up on top of everything else. Like, no, we will break. We cannot handle that. Oh, you're so right. It's almost like even just saying it out loud kind of diffuses the power that it has over us because you say it out loud and then you didn't die and nobody like said, I don't want to know you anymore. And life just moved on, you know? Yes. What, What I've learned as well, too, through therapy is a lot of times I say things that I didn't even necessarily knew that I felt until it comes out. A lot of times when it comes to this You know, I I say that depression and anxiety are this roommate and they live inside your brain and they are extremely loud and they drown out your personality and they drown out what you think and they overcome you. And if we don't say out loud what this roommate is saying to us, then it gets louder. And if we don't say it out loud, then it gets truer because Mm. there's nobody who's saying, no, 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 that's not right. There's nobody who is disputing what is going on inside your head. So why would it be wrong? That's so, so good. Oh my gosh. I love how you put that. That I've never so heard important. it put that way. It's so true though. Yes. And I loved how you said depression is a liar. It's the truth. It's a, it's a liar. It's not you. It's a separate entity from you. If you're really struggling with anxiety or depression and you start to look at it as a separate entity, then you can separate yourself from it and you can start to try to be louder than it. But it only works if you're talking to the people around you. And if you don't have people around you who you feel safe with, then you get on Mrs. Mediocre Mom and you message me or you find your therapist or you listen to a podcast or you journal. You journal the crap out of whatever you're feeling. You need to get it out of your head because once it's out of your head, you have so much more power over that feeling. Not that you're going to write it down and say, oh, I don't actually feel that way. No, you're going to say, wow, I do feel that way. Now I know I can fix it or I can work on it or I can figure out what tools I need exactly for this specific problem. At least you're able to look at it from a different angle. And sometimes that's that's all it takes for a breakthrough, right? Absolutely. Because right now, if you're stuck in it, the only angle you're looking at it is from your depression. And that's mm-hmm. so, it's a liar. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, so much. Okay, I have to tell you that I crack up so bad about your your brand name, Mrs. Mediocre Mom. It, I feel like we're sisters. Like I I have this self-deprecating humor myself too. And whenever somebody says like, "Oh my gosh, you look so pretty," or "Oh wow, how do you, you know, how do you get yourself put together so well?" and which happens very rarely, honestly, but I I love to tell them it takes a lot of time and money to maintain this mediocrity. Yeah. 
<laughs> I absolutely love it. Yes, we need to bring <laughs> mediocrity back. It is fun. Yes. That's Jeez. right. <laughs> I work pretty hard, and yet mediocrity is what I get out of it. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to try to be better tomorrow. And no, my kids will not have homemade beautiful cakes. And no, I am not a Pinterest mom. And like, no, I'm not perfect. I do everything as best I can and I fall short, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it because I'm learning. Like, this is the biggest thing I've learned from being a parent because we, oh my God, we look to everybody else to tell us we're doing a good job. I Mm. need, all need this validation that we're not screwing everything up. But what I realized is the one person and this was before Stetson came along, but the one person I was not seeking validation from was Violet. Is Violet happy? Absolutely. Is Violet extremely social and extremely smart and wise beyond her years? Is she, does she eat healthy? Does she, you know, I, I went through this list of all these things that my daughter is thriving at. And I realized I'm doing okay. Why am I asking strangers on the internet who've never met Violet? <laughs> who've never met me, like, no, I'm going to look at my girl smiling and laughing her ass off right now. And I'm doing okay. Yes, she is well adjusted. And you know, if she happens to go through something, she knows right who to rush to, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that's so true. That reminds me of last night. So my younger daughter is going through some hard times right now just because, you know, she's in high school. She didn't get her driver's license when she was supposed to because you have to take driver's ed here to get it at 15 and a half and it got delayed because of COVID. She is in theater and all of that stuff is now canceled. She isn't doing gymnastics anymore like she was. And it's just just really, really hard time for her. And I'm working one day a week, which is like a 12-hour day away with my husband right now. And I said to her yesterday, honey, do you feel abandoned? I'm so worried because I was always a stay-at-home mom and I'm just worried that you're feeling like you're abandoned, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, mom, (laughs) I like it when you and dad work. I get the house to myself. Grandma and grandpa are right next door. Like, I'm good. (laughs) And I was like... Oh my God, that made me feel, it just gave me this huge sense of relief. She's an honest enough person that I know she's not going to just shine me on to make me feel better. She, she gave me the validation I needed. And, you know, I mean, obviously you can't be too needy of validation from your kids because that's putting them in a position that is unfair. But sometimes if you have a specific question and you're not sure about something, you can just ask your kid, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? That's teaching them to be honest and ask questions. So many of us, especially people, you know, going through what I went through, there was a long period of time where I didn't want my kids to see me sad. I didn't want them to see me down. I didn't want them to see me not doing well, because I was so afraid that my kids are going to end up on someone else's therapy couch when they're older saying, I'm depressed all the time. But you can't go so far in the opposite direction that they don't know how to express their feelings. And that if someone expresses feelings to them, they feel uncomfortable because we've all kept it hush hush. So now, like, obviously I'm not going overboard. And like you said, you don't want to put too much on them to where they have to validate you all the time. But, you know, letting Violet know like, oh, mommy's sad right now because mommy's feeling frustrated. And, you know, I tried to do this and it just didn't work out and I'm not feeling good about it. Or, you know, asking your kid a question like you asked, like, are, you know, are you feeling okay? because this has changed and this is going on. And 
opening up those conversations is just going to allow them to be more emotionally intelligent as they grow up and get into their own relationships. Yes, I so think that's true. I think it's definitely teaching them a level of communication and openness and introspection that I didn't have at that age. Right. Yeah, right. for sure. Oh my gosh, I, th- I feel like I could talk to you all day. Okay, Miranda is just an incredible person and I wish she lived on my road. <laughs> I, I really do. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's bonus episode. If you are struggling with depression, I am going to put some resources in the show notes through which you can get help right away, through which you can get support. And I just want you to know that you're not alone, that you can tell other people that you're struggling and that things will get better. Make sure you subscribe to the Fancy Free Podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast so that new episodes pop into your feed each week. Have a wonderful week. And remember, no one is as fancy as they look.